Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, January 3rd, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And the past two days haven't been the busiest two days in the history of college basketball, but we did get at least one interesting result late Thursday. Final score, Colorado 74, number four, Oregon 65. So the Ducks... Five-game winning streak has been snapped, and the Buffalo's four-game winning streak has been extended to five. You know, Norlander, um, we got a nice chuckle when we did our Candid Coaches series last offseason when we asked more than 100 college coaches to predict which team would win the 2020 NCAA tournament. More than half of them said Michigan State. Nearly a third said Kansas. Kentucky, Duke, Florida also got multiple votes. And then one coach. Put his money on the Colorado Buffaloes. At the time, at the time we laughed, but maybe the joke's on us, Norlander. Colorado is now 12-2, got victories over Oregon and Dayton. One loss at Kansas, no shame in that. The other loss is to Northern Iowa by three points. That's a blemish, but not the worst thing in the world. Either way, I submit 12-2 with wins over two teams currently ranked in the top 20s. Good stuff. Shouts to Tab Boyle. Shouts to McKinley Wright. Shouts to Tyler Bay. For what it's worth, I moved Colorado up to number 17 in Friday morning's top 25 and one. So I think I'm a believer. When you talk about the top of the Pac-12, you probably have to put Colorado in the same sentence with Oregon and Arizona, right? Yeah, shouts to Alec Burks, by the way. Uh, Askia Booker, shouts to you too. Some Buffaloes of uh, of the past decade there. Um, when I did my power rankings earlier this week, I vacillated between – Florida State and Colorado for that final spot. I went Florida State, but uh, Colorado, barring it, can win at home on Sunday against Oregon State is going to be in next week's power rankings. They are off to a, a really, really good start here, and they are they are talented. They're fun. They're good defensively. I thought they'd win on, on Thursday night. I went on Sportsline on CBS Sports HQ. I had us pick some games, and I was more confident in Colorado covering the uh, – they were favored by one uh, than any other game on the board that we picked. So um, good on them. And I'm not convinced um, that Colorado won't be uh, better than Oregon by the time the end of the Pac-12 season wraps. You know, they get the benefit of the home floor on Thursday night. Uh, I watched most of the game, and it was never really truly in doubt overall. Um, so uh, congrats, to, uh, congrats to them. And uh, Evan Batty continues to uh, to play well, and he's a player who, by the way, Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright fourth are the two best players. Batty has been he tweeted something recently he suffers or suffered uh from occasional seizures but he's been clear of that for about two years now so it's great to see uh, a player like him he's a sophomore uh important big man down low uh he's healthy playing well in colorado they're on the come up man they're going to make the ncaa tournament this is going to be the best buffaloes team in decades here and they've got a shot certainly you know sweet 16 material and are kind of you know the, the uh, to me they would be the example of why um the Pac-12 is back and stronger this season. Now, we get results that can contradict that to a certain extent, like Washington losing at home to UCLA on Thursday night, not a good look. Uh, Washington is supposed to be a much, much better team, and yet it couldn't defeat a UCLA team that is totally doesn't know what it wants to be. But um, on the whole, that the Pac-12 is definitely better than it was a season ago, and I would point to Colorado being one of the biggest reasons why, because to me that's a clear top 25 team, and it proved that with the type of win in the way it got it on Thursday night. 
I agree that uh, the Pac-12 is better than it was a year ago. It'd be almost impossible to be worse, but still not good. Like if you go to the Ken Palm conference rankings, it is six behind the Big Ten, Big 12, Big East, ACC, and SEC. And it's one spot of, ahead of the American Athletic Conference, which is seventh. But it's closer to the AAC in terms of rating yes. than it is the SEC. Right now, the Pac-12's conference rating plus 10.46. That is um, nearly two full points behind the SEC, which is plus 1260. And it, it's only about a point and a half ahead of the AAC, which is plus 9.09. So um, still still not where it needs to be. But some of that's because, you know, you like UCLA is, is, your, is one of your biggest brands. You know, it's UCLA, Arizona, your biggest brands. And and UCLA is just not any good, despite what happened uh, Thursday night in Seattle. That's uh, that is correct. I'd say on the whole, right now, teams that in the Pac-12. Well, this was not the case a season ago. Teams in the Pac-12 that can uh, begin league play and still think that you know getting to the NCAA tournament is a reasonable proposition. Uh, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado, Stanford, UCLA. That's five. Washington is six. Um, hmm. And then you can throw in, I don't know, maybe maybe Arizona State. We'll see. I don't know. But that's not – a year ago it was two teams, maybe three. There was legitimate discussion on this podcast. I wrote about it, about, you know, a one-bid Pac-12. That won't be the case this season. Um Glad we opened up by talking about the Buffs because they are they are good. But just a quick side note on Washington. Like, Washington's got to be better than that. Isaiah Stewart's playing well. Jaden McDaniels is just way too inconsistent. Uh, I do love Nazia Carter's game. But if you're Washington, you know, after, you know, getting beat in the Diamond Head title game on Christmas to a solid Houston team, that's understandable to come back home, you know, eight days later, nine days later, and it just Washington – it looked lackluster. It was bizarre. Uh, it's a much more talented, better team than UCLA on your home floor, and you blow that kind of opportunity. This is what hurts the Pac-12 in the big picture. Even if it gets four teams or five into the NCAA tournament, what's going to wind up happening is the teams are going to be at a disadvantage because they're going to have lower seeds. Like this is this is a GP. This is a seed line bump Ooh. loss. I'm legitimately Washington losing at home to UCLA is going to hurt down the road there. A ten and four teams. So that was. I don't know. The two biggest results, I thought, or the, the ones that I took the most stock in on Thursday night were the two Pac-12 games, uh, Washington dropping to UCLA and then Colorado handling Oregon the way that it did. Oregon's fine. It's solid. But I you know, I do like Colorado a lot here, and I think that it can be well-positioned to fight with Arizona and, and the Ducks for the top of the league. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, in a vacuum, losing to UCLA is not the, the, it's not the worst-sounding thing in the world. But this is a UCLA team that's 117th at Ken Palm that had just lost to Cal State Fullerton at home. Yeah. I mean, in a, in a span of, what, five, six days, uh, UCLA loses to Fullerton at home and then beats Washington on the road. And so, um, listen, I'm not going to freak out about Washington. They, they still got two first-round picks. Isaiah Stewart has been amazing. But you know, losing back-to-back -back games to uh, – I agree with you. The Houston loss is not a big deal. It's a neutral court loss to a likely NCAA tournament team. But you can't lose a home game to UCLA and, and expect to to compete at the top of the Pac-12. Now, they'll probably run off like seven straight wins and be first place in the Pac-12. That's the way the sport sometimes goes. But that is a big-time disappointing loss from Washington. And I'm glad you said what you said about Oregon. 
I, I'm not concerned. I, I know, like, we were talking about this in studio last night. People will look at that and go, wow, the number four team in the country lost to an unranked team? But I think Oregon was actually – yeah. Was there was it an underdog? Yeah, it was a dog. <laughs> you're, you're doing a nice throwback here because I specifically mentioned this. Like I know, right? Six I minutes ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they were a one point dog on the road. Yeah, they should. They were expected uh, yeah. to lose, and they did. Yeah, so like it's not it's not a big deal. It's a single digit loss to a quality team, a team that will, as long as it takes care of business this weekend, be ranked uh, in the AP poll on Monday. That's uh, nothing shameful there for Oregon. That's still a team that's got to win over Memphis and got to win over Michigan. Trivia time. Oh boy. Uh, Pac-12 related trivia. What do we got here? Circling back to Colorado. Okay. Trivia time. Okay. I'm ready. I'm just making sure. Colorado has had 18 men's basketball coaches in its history. 18? One of them. 18. Okay. One of them is a Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer who won two national championships after leaving Colorado, there is a college basketball arena currently named in his honor. Can you name that coach? Trivia time to your trivia time. Oh, no. There is only one coach who has two Division I arenas named after her. Courts. I believe it's courts. It's not arenas. Two Division I courts named after him. Name that coach. One coach, two courts named after him. Yep. Uh, I wonder how many Is listeners can get this. If the listeners that are fans of the schools he's coached probably know it, but he's he would not be considered um, like a top twenty all time coach, but he is. He was a he was a good coach coached in this in this millennium. But did uh, well, first off, first off, I don't I don't know if it's appropriate to interrupt my trivia time with your trivia, trivia time to the trivia time. Okay, I'll answer yours first, and you can think about it. No, I, I'll answer yours first. Is it Mike Anderson, Golden Gate Mike? Golden Gate Mike. What are we talking about? No. Okay, then I don't know. I don't know who it is. Then if it's not him, coached at Illinois. Um, it's clearly Bill Self. Clearly not Bill Self. It is one <laughs> Lou Henson. Illinois, New Mexico State. Last I checked, this was about a year and a half ago. I still hope that's the case. Although when we when we bought the when we bought the trivia times, it's just as good as the trivia times. So I'm pretty sure Lou Henson has two courts named after him at the Division One level. Shouts to Lou Henson, um, still going. By the way, according I'm gonna tr- I'm gonna trust Wikipedia on the fly here. 87 years old and still still kicking. Shouts to you, Lou Henson. Um, who was the coach who was at Colorado? Left Colorado. You said won two national championships. After he left Colorado, he won two national championships. The There's an arena named in his honor. Is it a Division One arena? No. Yes. It is. Yes, it, yes, it is. All right, give me three guesses here. Uh, my first guess, there's no reason why I think this is it, but I'm, I'm, I'm just going to say Fog Allen. It is not Fog Allen. Would it be someone in the general era of Fog Allen? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I could be mixing up my errors, but I'm gonna say yes. Okay, then I gotta say Adolph Rupp. It is not Adolph Rupp. Damn, yeah, I, was really, I was really, I was feeling good about that one. Not Allen, not Rupp. Is the arena that this coach is named after, you know, almost nearly as as common? 
commonly known as like a Rupp Arena, or is it more? Is it less? Is it less known? It would not be known like Rupp Arena, but it is a well-known arena. You'll know it. The, any, any sort of casual college basketball fan would know the arena. It's a power conference arena. Okay. Let me just roll through this in my head right now real quick here. Um, uh, power conference arena. Give me like 20 more seconds. This is amazing podcasting. Uh, it's not the O-Dome. It's not. Uh, what about Hinkle? Hinkle. It is not Hinkle. Okay. Who would be Hinkle? <laughs> Who would be Hinkle? Coach Hinkle? I, I it just it just popped in my uh, it just popped in my head here. I don't know. I don't. Memorial Hall of Famer Coach Hinkle. <laughs> the correct answer. The correct answer is Henry Iba. Iba. I didn't want to keep. Coach I didn't want to keep extending that legendary Coach Hinkle. Oh man. <laughs> Man, you met, of course, everybody remembers the two national championships <laughs> Coach Hinkle got. <laughs> no, it's Henry that. Iba. He coached at Colorado that. for one season. Wow. One season. 1934. Here's my favorite thing about – I don't even know how I ended up on this Coach stupid Hinkle. page, but I'm looking at a list of the Colorado basketball coaches. Uh, and so you go to the top, and from 1901 to 1906 – they had no coach. They just played. <laughs> they didn't have a coach. Yeah. It, literally, it literally says no coach. They went 18 and 15 over a five-year span. Like they like, finished three games above 500 with no like they coach. They were doing all right. They were doing all right, actually. Uh, yeah. Why not keep it up? It's, it's, it's based, on, based on Colorado basketball history, it is better to have no coach than to have Jason Garrett. <laughs> yes. Think about that. Oh my goodness! Good trivia time. Didn't see it coming. Hinkle, man, I got it. By the I way, have, I, have, I got the answer. Have, what? What were you gonna say? Oh, I have so much more Colorado coaching history. But I don't we're just need it. Skip no it. one needs it. Okay, needs it. it was renamed Hinkle Fieldhouse in honor of Butler's longtime coach and athletic director, Paul Tony Hinkle. Paul Tony Hinkle, of course. There we go. T. T. P.T. Hinkle. Uh, Tony Hinkle was an American football, basketball, and baseball player, coach in college. This dude was accomplished. Wow. Shouts to him. He wasn't as accomplished as Henry Iba. Henry Iba won multiple national championships at Oklahoma State, also coached the Oklahoma State baseball team, coached three Olympic teams, won two gold medals, only two men in history. Dude. Only two men in history have multiple gold medals as the coach of the United States Olympic team. One is Mike Shashevsky, the other is Henry Iba. I Tony Hinkle had a 183, 104, and 16 record in football, 560 wins in basketball to 392 losses, and 335 wins in baseball. This dude won he won eight 17 football championships. Two Missouri Valley Championships in the regular season, a MAC title, Basketball Hall of Fame, 1965. Also, a Naismith Hall of Famer, Tony Hinkle. How dare you? <laughs> Is he? How, How dare about you? That? How about that? Listen, Colorado finished 18 and 15 with no coach. Could have used Tony Hinkle. Tony Hinkle. <laughs> what if they'd have had Tony Hinkle? 
what if what if people don't talk about this enough what if from 1901 to 1906 instead of having no coach Colorado actually had Tony Hinkle. Well, it would have been incredible because Tony Hinkle was born in 1899, so it would have had a two-year-old moving into <laughs> four, five, six years. Five-year-old Tony Hinkle guiding <laughs> the Colorado basketball team. What are we even talking about? <laughs> what, if, what if Colorado in 1901 launched <laughs> basketball with a two-year-old Tony Hinkle on the sidelines? <laughs> That would have been amazing. Oh, my goodness. Uh, next topic. Next topic. <laughs> Bill Self has been part of Thursday trying to kill any speculation that he plans to leave Kansas to coach the San Antonio Spurs. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. So our friend Seth Greenberg was on ESPN earlier this week, and he was asked to give his boldest prediction for 2020. And his bold prediction was that Bill Self is going to leave Kansas to coach the San Antonio Spurs. Yesterday, Bill Self was asked about Seth Greenberg's bold prediction. Here's what he said. Quote, first of all, I have not talked to Seth in five or six months. (laughs) Secondly, and most importantly, I haven't talked to R.C. Buford ever about it. And he was in my wedding and I was in his. I know him pretty well and we've never once discussed it. Thirdly, I think it's kind of an insult to the Spurs because they have the greatest coach maybe our sport has potentially ever known, especially NBA, one of the two or three best all-time for sure. So there's absolutely zero truth to that. There's nothing to it at all. Your thoughts, Matt Norlander? Uh, this comments didn't surprise me. That's a, heck of, that's a heck of a burn to Greenberg, by the way. It's like, I haven't talked to this dude in half a year. Like, what's he even talking about right now? Um, but you know how these things go. You know, you got producers, they got to make a segment. We want a bold prediction, and Self actually kind of nailed it on that. He's like, I understand. You got to you gotta create so much content out here, but the content backfired. Um, this is out there, obviously, because we await to see how harsh the penalty is. From the NCAA, I do think that Kansas will be banned from next season's postseason, and with that, we... You know, we wait to see how severely Bill Self will be uh, punished in terms of suspension. I do think that he will be facing a significant suspension. 
And from that, it, uh, you know, speculation will then move to does Kansas opt to just simply have an interim coaching situation for however long Bill Self is suspended and have him come back, or if Bill Self wants to to leave Kansas and, and yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, it'd be intriguing to see Bill Self coach at the NBA level, but I've – I don't know. I've always just thought it's been a, a thing where people are like, yeah, Bill Self and R.C. Buford are like really tight, and he's been awesome in college, so he'd be the ideal next person to be in line with San Antonio. For all we know, it's Becky Hammond's going to be the next coach of the Spurs. I'd put, I'd put more money on her before Bill Self getting that job. So, um, you know, Self obviously makes a little bit of a headline here, uh, but I, I think that no matter my – my guess is this. No matter how severe the punishment is from the NCAA, and even if it was like a, a season-long suspension for Bill Self, I still think that he is going to be the coach at Kansas. Like three years from now, I still think that he will be there. He will be coaching no matter uh, how long he has to sit and whether or not Kansas misses a postseason or not. I guess the first thing I'd say is uh, I'd defend Seth Greenberg. You know, like you, you nailed it. I mean, the, the, he walked into that studio on that morning and a producer's like, hey, weird, uh, the C block is going to be – on bold predictions for 2020 because it's the new year. Right. And so give us a big, bold prediction. And you're like, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, maybe Bill Self to the San Antonio Spurs. Okay, that's great. Boom, got it. Thank you. That That's the way television works. Yeah. And so there's a vast difference between, listen, sources have told me Bill Self knows that a suspension's coming and Greg Popovich is, is seriously contemplating retirement and if all of these things fall in a certain direction, then I'm just telling you, there's a very good chance Bill Self's going to be coaching the San Antonio Spurs next season. There's a big difference between that and saying, hey, welcome to 2020, everybody. Happy New Year. Here's my bold prediction. Bill Self going to end up coaching the San Antonio Spurs. Like one of them's just a TV bit. The other one is like actual reporting. They were just doing a TV bit. So I don't put any stock into it whatsoever other than it is um, a bold prediction that a ESPN producer asked Seth Greenberg and everybody else sitting at that desk uh, uh, to come up with, uh, you know. And so, listen, I think the most likely scenario probably is Bill Self coaches Kansas next season. Greg Popovich coaches the Spurs uh, next season. But but we'll see. It is interesting because part of at least partly the reason people bring this up, like Bill Self to the NBA, is because it does appear that the program is about to get hit and he's about to have to endure some type of suspension. And I was talking to a, another college coach about this uh, several weeks ago, maybe even months ago at this point. And I said, you know, the NCAA, because this is something sometimes people forget, the NCAA can't make you fire a coach. All they can do is right. put you in a position where you feel like you really don't have much of a choice but to fire the coach. You weigh the pros and cons and you say, we need to do this. But the NCAA can't just come on your campus and say, we think you should not employ Bill Self anymore. You just double middle finger. We don't care what you think. You have you don't control that. And so you know, I was having this conversation with a, a, another college coach, and I said, you know, so like if it's a, you know, nine-game, 12-game, 15-game suspension, you just keep Bill Self. I said where it gets a little tricky is if it's like a full-season suspension, you know, then what do you do? And without hesitation, the coach said, you keep Bill Self. And I said, do, I said, would you really do it? He goes, well, just think about it practically. Would you rather fire Bill Self, hire somebody else, and hope for the best, or just pretend that Bill had a, you know, a medical, a health issue that he had to step away for from a year, uh, step away from the court for a year, but then you get him back and he's good to go. 
you want to you want to you want to go into a situation where you're in year two of a coach you just hired to replace Bill Self, and who knows how that's going to go, or you're back with Bill Self. Same as it ever was. And I think that probably makes sense. I don't know there's anything the NCAA could do to Kansas that would make it smart for Kansas to fire Bill Self. I agree. Um, I, If you're Kansas and you got to take take your lumps for a year, you take them for a year and you're Kansas. You'll be back in the swing in, <laughs> in short order here. Um, so, yeah, I don't I – don't, listen, there will be huge headlines – you know, this is a, an important case, Kansas among many others, that the NCAA is working through here. I mean, that will be significant whenever we get the next steps of that and, and punishments come down, which won't be until after. As a reminder, that, that will not happen, my expectation, until after this season, uh, but in advance of next season. But um, I just don't see Kansas getting the reset. If it happened, it would be because Bill Self opted to walk away. I'm not... I'm not convinced that's going to be the case here. That's just that's my personal reading on the situation there. Um, I, 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 I think I'll put it this way: like I, I think that Kansas staying on with Bill Self in 2021 is more likely than, and I'm not saying this is you know going to happen. I'm just saying the likeliness of it. I would put that more likely than an LSU with Will Wade in Arizona with Sean Miller, et cetera, et cetera. That's just that's how I see it. Yeah, I don't see Kansas firing uh, Bill Self. I don't. I, regardless of how hard the NCAA hits Kansas, I think Bill Self will remain the coach at Kansas if he wants to remain the coach at Kansas. If he decides he wants to pursue an NBA opportunity, San Antonio or somewhere else that's available, and um, and 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 it, it's offered to him, and that's what he wants to do, then then that makes I, I could see that. But I don't see Kansas firing Bill Self, not over what has happened today. I mean, we could look up 15 years from now and things have taken the wrong turn. And then, you know, that's the way most coaching careers end. But I don't think Bill, Kansas, I would bet heavily against anything happening with this NCAA situation that leads to Kansas firing Bill Self. Even if, if they hit him with a year long suspension, if I'm running Kansas, I go, you know what, we'll just sit out a year. We'll let somebody else coach the team on an interim basis, and then we'll have Bill, we'll have a Hall of Fame coach a year from now once again. I, I think that's certainly a, a more likely scenario. So we close every Friday podcast with the final four and one. That's where I pick four games, uh, and 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 or at least I just I grab four games for us to pick against the spread. Norlander gets the and one. If you're keeping up with the season totals, I'm still behind. Norlander's 21, 18, and one. I'm 17, 22, and 1. No, so, no, 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 no. What? I'm 20, 19, and 1. I went 1 and, I went one and 4 last week. Okay. Well, then let me update this. Let me this. just keep I'm it honest here. You. You're giving me Come a on. win. Don't give me the win. I want to earn it. 20, 19, and 1, and I'm 17, 22, and 1. So theoretically, this could be the weekend where I catch up. Uh, Yeah, although, hold on one second here. So 20, 19, and 1, that's 40 total games. 22, 17. That's, yeah, okay. All right, I just wanted to make sure the math added up and we, we accounted for all games. Yes, this could be the, this could well be the weekend. All right, what do you got? First game fired at me. Okay, we're going to do my four games in the order in which they will tip off. So we will start Saturday, noon Eastern, Creighton at number 11, Butler. You can watch it on FS1. Uh, we, we, we do not have point spreads when we record these. It's Friday, 11.44 Eastern right now. So we use the Kinpom projections, and Kinpom has made Butler an eight-point favorite. Can any of us even possibly go against Butler after this has been the Tony Hinkle 
podcast special? I don't think so. I don't think so. Although Creighton, 12-2, and two, both losses respectable at Michigan by 10, and then they got drubbed by San Diego State. Aztecs are just on a roll. Um, uh, we will get to their game because if you didn't pick it, that's going to be my game here at the end of the segment. Um, but they lost by like 31 points earlier in the season. Other, other than that, Creighton's good. 12-2. and two. They rocked Marquette on Wednesday night uh, to get their first win in the Big East. So Greg McDermott, I'd say pretty quietly, has, um, has got a team that's NCAA tournament quality and just hasn't gotten a lot of love. Give you a little bit of love here, and I guarantee you, if you Creighton, you get this win over the weekend, uh, we can give you a little bit of shine on Sunday night's podcast. But having said that, Butler, eight points at home, noon tip, Fox Sports 1 Saturday. I'm going to take the Bulldogs by eight. Um, just a really, really good team. That's all I got for you. I'm taking Butler. I mean, no, 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 no. I'm taking Creighton okay. plus the eight. And, I, you know, Creighton's unranked in the AP poll. I have them in the top 25 and one. Um, the resume is strong. Like you said, 12 and two, only losses to Michigan and San Diego State. Butler, meantime, 13 and one, lone loss at Baylor by a point. Picked eight in the Big East, now number seven at Ken Palm. They got four quadrant one wins. We talked about this on the last podcast. By the way, these quadrant things, like the net rankings change every single day, which can change your number of quadrant victories every single day. I had multiple people on Thursday say ah, I think trivia time was wrong on Wednesday's podcast because you said only Kansas and Butler had four quadrant one wins but I'm looking at it right now and Duke's got four quadrant one wins that's an incorrect trivia time and I had to correct somebody I said that is not an incorrect trivia time because at the time of the trivia time Duke did not have four quadrant one wins but then Georgetown from Wednesday to Thursday jump from outside of the top 50 to inside of the top 50 suddenly duke's neutral court win over georgetown is a quadrant one win so now duke does have four quadrant one wins as well but trivia time on wednesday that was a correct that was an accurately reported trivia time right now four teams have four quadrant one wins butler kansas san diego state and duke i'm gonna take creighton plus the eight on the road inside tony hinkle Fieldhouse. next game Saturday, 4.30 Eastern, number eight, Auburn at Mississippi State. You can watch it on the SEC Network. Auburn, according to Ken Palm, is minus one. Don't know if we've ever had a team from a power conference get to January without a loss and receive less recognition or pub than the Auburn Tigers this season, particularly after coming off a Final Four season, and not just that, a Final Four season in which the Tigers – very nearly, and maybe very well should have defeated the eventual national champion, Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, Bruce Pearl has got a very good team here. Mississippi State, I have no idea, man. No one knows how good this team is or isn't. 9-3, and three, get the game on uh, its home floor. <sighs> Auburn's favored by one per Ken Palm. I will take the Tigers in a road environment here. If you're able to watch this game, keep an eye on. They got some good players, but just keep an eye on the freshman wing, Isaac Okoro. Very fun player. Uh, really solid. Gets it done inside. They don't necessarily need to rely on him um, at all three levels, but uh, but he's really fun. I will take the Tigers to remain undefeated. You know, Auburn, listen, 12 0 is 12 0, but zero wins over currently ranked teams. They, they haven't played. A ranked team all season. That's right. The uh, best best team they played is probably NC State. So, and that was on a neutral. 
So at Mississippi State is probably the toughest test of the season so far. Mississippi State, by the way, they have Nick Weatherspoon back now. He missed the first 10 games of the season because of a suspension, averaging nine points in 21 minutes in those two games. But Mississippi State's only one and one in those games. Lost to New Mexico State three days uh, before Christmas. So that's not great, although New Mexico State's not a not a bad team. That's a perfectly reasonable basketball team. But in a semi-home game, you're not supposed to lose that one if you're Mississippi State. I'm going to take the Bulldogs inside Humphrey Coliseum as a slight underdog to upset Auburn and give Auburn its first loss of the season. You just watch college basketball. Um, you know, as recently as last night, you know, you go on the road to play a, a quality opponent. Um, even if that quality opponent's unranked, it, it can be a chore. And I think Auburn's going to be um, it, it'll be a it'll be a tough environment, tough game. Certainly Auburn can win it, but I'll take Mississippi State plus one just to be different. Remember, I'm trying to catch you Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Number 13, San Diego State. Ooh. At Utah State, you can watch it on CBS Sports Network. Ken Palm has made San Diego State, the Aztecs, a one-point favorite on the road. I will take Utah State at home here, uh, giving us – so we could have no undefeated teams by the end of Saturday night, but I'm going to say that Auburn will be the final undefeated team in college basketball. Utah State just got whacked at UNLV by 17 points on Wednesday night. Kind of bizarre, and if Utah State loses this game against San Diego State on Saturday, what we'll have here for sure is two consecutive seasons in which the preseason brought us a Mountain West team thought to be, you know, two seed, three seed, four seed caliber. Last season it was Nevada, and Nevada made the tournament with with some ease, but it was nowhere near as good as people thought it was going to be. Utah State was anticipated to be that team, has not yet been that team. But to be fair, Nemeus Keita has been you know consistently injured and that's been a problem overall uh getting him healthy will go a long way here i will take the aggies at home in logan obviously a tough place to play san diego state's for real uh i still think they're for real whether or not they win or lose this game but give me the aggies i'm gonna stay consistent and just take the underdog unranked team against the undefeated team in back-to-back games. Mm -hmm. So I took Mississippi State plus the one. I will also take Utah State plus the one. But I was in studio. We had Utah State UNLV um, on our air Tuesday night, and that was surprising. Not necessarily that UNLV won, but 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 that was surprised that UNLV won is also surprising. But like just dominated the the entire game, and so now Utah State is is thirteen and three. They got wins over LSU and Florida, um, the losses to St. Mary's, BYU, and and UNLV. Meantime, San Diego State's fourteen and zero. You can't say enough about them. They started ninety seventh at Ken Palm, all the way up to number nineteen. That's a jump of seventy eight spots in just fourteen games. Number one in the net, and they're starting three players who had never played a minute for San Diego State before the start of this season. One of them is Malachi Flynn, Washington State transfer. He's the leading scorer. So I do think San Diego State is legit. I won't be surprised if they're 15-0 when we wake up on Sunday morning. But I'm just going to take the home underdogs against the undefeated teams. Mississippi State plus one, and in this one, Utah State plus one. My last game, Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern, number 12, Michigan. At number four, Michigan State. You can watch it on CBS. Michigan State is minus seven, according to Ken Palm. Big time Sunday game here. Got the NFL playoffs coming this weekend. Uh, awesome, fun weekend of sports here. But this uh, this game will obviously 
be what you want to watch leading into uh, or parallel to those uh, NFL playoff games. Cassius Winston returned on Thursday night. Michigan State was able to defeat Illinois without any kind of issue here. Uh, Winston was dealing with a, with a bruise in his knee. Xavier Tillman was terrific in that game. I thought Aaron Henry was very solid. And then Winston just getting back into the mix there. He had a team-high 21 uh, in Michigan State's win over Illinois. Good signs. I mean, just all around, Michigan State put on a terrific performance. And I think that it will continue. I think when we talk on Sunday night's podcast, uh, among you know plenty of other topics we can get to, my prediction is that we will be discussing Michigan State rounding into form and looking uh, all the more like that team we thought it would be in the preseason. So I will take Sparty to cover the seven at home against the Wolverines. Um, Spartan, like you said, uh, Spart- the Spartans, like you said, they've won six straight since losing to Duke. They beat Illinois Thursday night. They're now 11-3 and overall, number four at Ken Palm. Michigan's interesting. I think this is a big spot for them. They obviously start 7-0. and You know, they're unranked, start 7-0. and beat Creighton, North Carolina, beat Gonzaga, win the battle for Atlantis. Suddenly they're in the top 10, and then they immediately lose three of the next four. Now, they weren't bad losses, but they did lose three of the next four. At that point, they're 10 and uh, and, and now they're 10-3 and three on the season. So the question is like, okay, what are they? Are they the team that started 7-0, and knocking out Creighton and Gonzaga, or are they the team that's you know, that then subsequently lost three or four because the last two games are just nothing games by games against bad opponents. I, I think the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, probably not as good as we thought they were when, you know, they started seven and oh, probably not as um, average as they looked when they lost three or four, uh, hard to envision them going in to the Breslin center and winning on Sunday. But I think I said the exact same thing about Duke when it went into the Breslin center not too long ago, and they dominated Michigan state pretty much from tip to finish. This Michigan state team does look different. They seem to be um, starting to play more like what we thought they were when we made them the preseason number one. But uh, for our purposes, I will take Michigan plus the seven just to be different from you. Don't be di- – what is this? Just like why – don't – I want you to pick the game, the winner. Hey, let me let I – don't, I don't care what you want. You don't get – Okay. You, I don't care. But the, don't you're care just – if I want you to pick with your heart. You're just picking me – picking different from me just to pick different to try and catch up in the race. You've already got some other ones. It feels like you want to take Michigan State. I don't have a heart. Okay. Can't pick with your heart if you don't have a heart. Okay. I'm going with – I'm going with Michigan – the Wolverines for two reasons. A, I want to be different from you. B, I want a competitive game on Sunday. That's sure. the way I want to spend my Sunday, watching a competitive game. And Michigan staying inside the number, by definition, would give us a, a competitive game. What's uh, your what's your and one, Norlander? Okay, so it was going to be San Diego State, yeah. Utah State, if you didn't select it, but you did select it. Just a quick heads up. On Saturday, this is not going to be the game. Georgia plays at Memphis on CBS on 1 o'clock on Saturday. You're going to have Anthony Edwards at Memphis. Keep an eye on that. Could be a little could be a little bit quirky there. Um, and then a couple other uh, couple other uh, games of, of note, of interest. Villanova at Marquette. Iowa versus Penn State. Uh, those fly under the radar. And it's a huge weekend in the SoCon. You've got the four best teams playing each other. UNC Greensboro at Wofford. And then East Tennessee State at Furman. Keep an eye on all those. There's going to be a lot to monitor here, and I think we're going to have a lot to talk about on Sunday's podcast because there's a bunch of intriguing matchups. It's a hard weekend to to kind of to forecast to see what we're going to get, what we're going to happen. But my game, 
And I thought you were going to give us this game, but you didn't. My game that I'm going to give you here is West Virginia at Kansas. West Virginia off to a tremendous start, 11-1. and We talked about it previously. And then Kansas, uh, right now, the number one team in the Massey Composite, number two at Ken Palm, sitting at 10-2, and coming off that dominating win last weekend against Stanford. This is the Big 12 opener. Ken Palm projects Kansas a 10-point favorite. So that was the other reason why I had this as my... Uh, my backup game, because that's a relatively big line there. West Virginia at Kansas. Who you got? I'll take West Virginia plus the 10. I mean, that's I don't think West Virginia is going to win the game, but that's a big number with a team that just beat Ohio State in Cleveland, Ohio. So West Virginia plus 10 makes sense to me. I want to be like you. I don't want to be different. I also have the Mountaineers plus 10. So uh, I think Kansas will win, but I think it's going to be a close game. And West Virginia is going to have some success inside. I do like their chances here. Um, very good weekend of hoops, people. Uh, we've had some just okay ones over the past three or four weekends. But we are loaded up Saturday and even Sunday. Um, so there so there you have it. We disagree on three of the five. We have agreement on West Virginia to cover the 10. And we have agreement that Utah State will win at home over San Diego State. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Tegel. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Tony Hinkle. And please go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorite, that means five stars, nice comments, and we will talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.